This is Live Well Talk on Women's Heart Health. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. According to the American Heart Association, cardiovascular disease claimed the life of a woman about every 80 seconds. It is the leading cause of death in women, but despite increases in awareness over the past decades, uh, the CDC says only about half of women recognize it as, it as their number one killer. Joining me today to talk about women's heart health is Dr. Layla Pavandi, cardiologist with St. Luke's Heart and Vascular Institute and St. Luke's Cardiology. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. First things first, the Pavandi name in cardiology is legendary. How's your dad? He's doing well. Thanks for asking. He is looking forward to rejoining the pre-medical clinic where he's been very active. So good for him. Yes, I think he's he's doing great. Thank you. Well, he's missed. You know, I, I can remember that women's presentation or atypical findings for for heart disease became, I don't want to say in vogue, but in the late 90s. You know, I, I mean, I started in 93 and I could see the transition there where we started talking about it. Um, and part of it was that coronary calcium scores came out and women have soft plaques. And then so there are people with normal coronary calcium scores are very low having heart attacks, you know, and so that started the discussion as well. But what are some symptoms that women have that differ from men? You know, I think um, when we, you know, think about heart disease, we think about kind of the middle age Caucasian gentleman, you know, fist on the chest, says, feels like an elephant sitting on them. Um, but for women and for some men, that's just not how they present. Um, that's kind of an idealized uh, way of categorizing uh, uh, a heart disease presentation. You know, with women in particular, I look for more nuanced symptoms like, you know, I just notice I can't keep up with the same workout that I was doing six months ago or I'm somebody that normally wakes up at 6 a.m. ready to hit the ground running and I'm noticing this sort of heaviness or fatigue about me through the day, this sort of exertional intolerance. Um, as a harbinger of maybe heart disease that has been building over time, um, I also look for shortness of breath. That, you know, obviously can be multifactorial, but right. acutely, you know, you look for other things like, you know, upper abdominal pain, nausea, back pain, um, that with other factors can raise suspicion. So it isn't always that classic, you know, frontal chest pain syndrome. We really have to kind of think outside the box and uh, look for sometimes more subtle cues, uh, particularly in women. It, risk factors the same for women or do, is smoking more contributory or less contributory? The risk factors are are more or less the same. However, you know how the the hormone component, particularly postmenopausal hormone status, the role of estrogen in certain unusual forms of heart attack um, is obviously unique to women. Um, but a lot of times, I have seen in my own practice that that family history component sometimes gets overlooked more in women than in men. It's just not as much in the forefront of the patient's mind and or the primary care provider mind. So I have noticed family history can sometimes get kind of lost in the mix, I, I have seen. Yeah, and you know, I, my experience was always that with any patient was if, if you 
made a doctor's appointment because something's bothering you and you have risk factors, it's heart disease until we're done. You know, I mean, just it's there. It's yes. throw, throw a stick and you'll hit someone with heart disease. Yes. Really? Yes. You know, and, you know I, I remember I read a statistic one time that in the early 90s, 50 percent of people with heart disease presented with cardiac arrest. And that, you know, that number is significantly down. You probably know a percentage that better than I do, but it's, we've, we've made progress, but there's still work to do. Yes. Men are men and women are women or Mars are from Venus. I can't remember the name of that book. Uh, but why do you think women downplay that? You think there's a reason for that? One, one it, mom's never off duty. You know, my daughters are daddy's girls, but man, if they got hurt, where's mom? You know, they, so, so I, I think not, to be disparaging to people that don't have children, but I think mom's always on duty. I agree. And I think uh, women in particular, um, you know, as they approach that age where clinical heart disease can become an issue, that sort of coincides often with where women, not just women, but especially women, find themselves kind of in that um, bridge where they're caregivers perhaps for elderly parents and yet they have children at home and they're sort of um, spread as a caregiver more or less in multiple different directions plus add a career you know plus add other yeah. personal responsibilities so I think there's an unconscious tendency to sometimes put yourself last um, and and not to um, tend to things that may be under different circumstances you would, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's hardwired. You know, I used to like at Thanksgiving, Tanya always thought about giving the, making sure the girls had their plates filled before hers, where, you know, I was elbowing my way up there to get the, the good stuff. And so I, I think it's just hardwired and that's a good thing. Are there certain types of heart disease that are more common in women than men? Is it all atherosclerotic heart disease or yeah so you know heart disease can be broken down into you know several big categories when we hear the word heart disease we tend to think about heart blockage disease which is the entity that can lead to heart attack you know but we also have to think about heart rhythm disorders heart failure uh, valvular heart disease um, congenital heart disease which is the disease that uh, structural disease that we're born with but there is a form uh, that does, you know, occur more commonly in women and in men. It's called a stress-induced cardiomyopathy, or sometimes in the media, it's described as the broken heart syndrome. And that does occur more commonly in women. And what that is, is typically a transient form of heart failure and heart dysfunction that can occur after a high stress emotional or physical event. So um, we've seen it, for example, in patients where they were at the funeral for a loved one and then present with signs and symptoms that looks and smells and breathes like a heart attack, when in fact, it's actually this transient form of heart failure uh, that can occur as a result of the stress hormones that are released in those situations. It can also happen after extreme physical stress. Um, so if you're in the hospital and you're septic, for example, you can develop this. Um, the entity itself is more common in women than in men, but if you compare men and women, the form that occurs in women 
is more typically associated with emotional stress compared to men. Um, and so that's something we have to be kind of mindful for um, in, in the female population. There is a, uh, it was a Milwaukee Marathon where they looked at stress-induced cardiomyopathy from marathons. And it was really common, just people recover from it. And I've had, there's one of the anesthesiologists on staff said that he doesn't drink caffeine, but he always liked, felt better when he drank caffeine after a marathon. I was wondering if it was some sort of ionotropic sort of effect made the heart squeeze a little bit more and made them feel better. Maybe. You know, earlier you mentioned estrogen. What role does hormone replacement play in cardiovascular health for women? So back in the day, there there was the concept that placing postmenopausal women on hormone replacement therapy could potentially prevent uh, heart disease development. Fast forward, what we ultimately find from randomized control studies is that is not the case. It does not prevent heart disease and hormone replacement therapy can actually increase the risk of stroke. Right. I see um, women in my own practice who maybe went through menopause 10, 15 years ago, were suffering from severe um, hot flashes or other postmenopausal symptoms at that time. They were started on hormone replacement therapy, estrogen, and progesterone if they still had a uterus with the intention of that being kind of a short-term thing. And then fast forward 10, 15 years, they're still on it. And um, it's something that I'm very mindful for when I'm reviewing a patient medication list because we really should not have women on hormone replacement therapy long-term unless there's a strong, compelling reason to do so for the reasons I mentioned, increased risk of stroke, increased risk of blood clotting disorders, and it can worsen your overall metabolic profile in terms of blood pressure and cholesterol. So a lot of times women come to me for, you know, a hypertension consultation, and what we end up spending the bulk of the appointment about is why we need to get you off of the estrogen, oral estrogen that you've been on for 15 years. Um, and, and that's a conversation where I have to work with the primary and the gynecologist, but um, it's something that I think can easily be missed. And there's a lot of misconception about it. So there's a, that's an interesting side note. You had all these women that are on this low dose of Synthroid, right? And what it used to be like decades ago, they had this admission to the hospital admin panel and had a TSH on it. And so people come in with pneumonia and, you know, sick you thyroid syndrome, their TSH a little high, doctor put them on like 25 micrograms. And it's like, you know, 50 years later, they're still taking it. You know, they don't have hypothyroidism. It's not enough to influence it. You see that all the time, uh, yeah. much less now, but you see that all the time. But it takes a lot of like um, re-education because at the time, sometimes that it was started, it was, that's the standard of care that we're going to do for your severe symptoms and trying to educate and explain the rationale for why we don't want our, our female patients on this long term, unless there's a compelling reason. That, that's sometimes a challenging conversation to have. Yeah, yeah. Are there general, uh, you know, we, gender disparities as far as men and women and, you know, access to healthcare, probably not locally. I mean, it's probably about the same, but just how do you approach that in your practice, the possibility of some sort of disparity between the, the sexes? I haven't seen it since. Since I've been in practice here, I, like you mentioned, I'm not aware of it on my, in my day-to-day -day practice, and I'm not aware of 
any um, lack of vigilance on the part of our primary care providers in referring to cardiology. In fact, I think our primary care providers are very vigilant um, and appropriate in their referrals for symptom consultation, but also for um, prevention consults. So I, I do see a lot of very, you know, astute primary care providers that say, hey, I know you're here for your annual well visit, but you have so many risk factors for heart disease. Have you thought about seeing a cardiologist just to get another set of eyes? And, and I love seeing those because obviously we can make interventions before um, clinical vascular disease occurs. Um, so I will say though, I think our community does a really good job of, of public education and helping our community be health literate. So at our, you know, annual, um, go red for women event, right. Not seem like a lot, but actually those meetings alone generate a tremendous amount of self referral for women that say, you know what, I, I think I need to sort of take the lead on my health care here and and you know there's so much we can do from a preventative perspective too well I, I think as we started you know i think the mind the mental image of someone having a heart attack is lou grant but actually mary tyler moore can have just as many heart attacks as lou grant you know but you think of the guy kind of shaped like ed asner etc mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. shaped like me if i lose a little bit more hair perhaps i don't know um <laughs> What, what is there a certain age that you'd recommend women get screened for heart disease uh, if they have family history? I mean, is there it, do you approach it like that at all? I don't think there's an age cutoff, but I okay. think when you hit the point where you start to have multiple intersecting risk factors, so primary care provider now is recommending a lipid, a cholesterol lowering medication, you're on a blood pressure medication. Maybe you smoked in the past, you have your family history. You know, once multiple risk factors start to intersect, um, I would say two or more, then it's time to start thinking about, um, am I on an optimal regimen of preventative medications and lifestyle measures, I think is a way to approach it. Um, you know, the whole lifestyle component is 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 obviously a big piece of the puzzle, um, yep. huge piece of the puzzle, um, you know, and so I can put you on blood pressure medication all day long. But until you're limiting your sodium, exercising and, you know, treating your body with respect, then, you know, you're kind of fighting against it. But um, I, I used to I used to tell patients that. It, it was kind of like a, a revolver, an unloaded revolver is your family history. And, you know, you, you smoke, you put two bullets in the chamber. You have diabetes, you put three bullets in the chamber. Pretty soon now you have a very dangerous gun that previously it was empty. And so to way think to it that it. way, you know, because just the more you get, the more dangerous it becomes. Nope, that's a beautiful way to put it. Because so many of those things are self-inflicted, right? The, the right. tobacco is self-inflicted. And you know, poor diet measures and not exercising. And yeah, that's all kind of a, you're loading your own gun kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, Heart Month's February. Uh, Go Red will be there uh, and we'll look forward to that. This is really great information. Again, this was Women's Heart Health and Dr. Layla Pavandi with St. Luke's Heart and Vascular Institute and St. Luke's Cardiology. For more information, visit unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers. 
about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.